must tell you that we're beginning this sermon series a little different than I had originally planned. And sometimes it's as if the Holy Spirit thumps you on the head and you end up going in a different way than you thought you might. So we begin a little different than I, than I originally thought we would. And we begin with these words. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common person used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. <clears throat> many, of us, many of us, oh God, have heard this story before, but have never really gotten close to it. We don't want to get too close to this story. If we do, it might challenge us too much. Help us get a little closer to what's going on. And in so doing, come closer to who you are and who you would have us be. Speak. To us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What do you think is on the other side of this door? If I were to walk through it, what would I find there? Oh, I know, I can just walk around the other side. There's nothing there, right? Same's in front, nothing in really. But it's not quite the same walking around it as it is walking through it. Maybe if I walk through this door, I will enter into a whole new world that I've never even seen before, full of amazing possibilities. Maybe not, though. Maybe if I went through that door, I'd enter a dangerous place, scary place, a place more frightening even than this one. I don't know. Should I 
I don't think I want to, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it. I want to go through. Don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I mean, I, after all, I know what's on this side of the door. Isn't that enough? I know what's on this side of the door. I don't need, why do we always have to somehow have to try something? Why can't we just stay right where we are on this side of the door where things don't change? Should I do it? Should I go through it? Um, yes, no. What should we do? That's what it feels like to follow Jesus. Following Jesus feels like peering through a door into a world where you haven't a clue as to what's going to happen next because all of a sudden you are no longer in charge and someone else is. Feels like standing at the entrance to something completely Jesus uses this image all the time. He uses it a lot in the Gospel of John. Two chapters before the story we just read, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's explaining to them how the sheep have to enter through the gate in order to return to the flock. And then he stops and he looks at them and he says, I am the gate. I am the door for you. Two chapters after our reading today, he's talking about going to prepare a place for them. He says, I'm going to, ahead of you to prepare a place for you so that I may come back and bring you to myself and you will know the way to the place where I'm going. And they get all confused, you know. That, just, that one just throws them for a loop, the disciples, and they don't know what he means. And Thomas raises his hand and says, we, how in the, how do we know, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And he looks at them and he says, I am the way. I am the gate. I am the way. Following Jesus feels a lot like living life on the other side of the door. Following Jesus means we have to give up the control that we so often like to think we have. It means giving everything. That's the kind of giving going on in our story today that we just read. It's all over the place. Some of it's obvious, some of it's not. John starts out by making sure to tell us that Jesus comes to Bethany to the house of his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus and he makes sure to point out that Lazarus is the one that Jesus raised from the dead but there's so much more to it than that that not, may not be quite obvious to all of us. We know that much. We know that he's come to Bethany to be with his friends but what you may not remember is that the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead came just prior to this story. He'd already been in Bethany and it is a cat, it's a pendulum swinging story. Things completely change in that story after the events of Lazarus coming out of the tomb take place. He goes, he goes there after the 
women have called, sent word for him. Lazarus is ill. Your friend's ill. Come quick. Come quick. Jesus takes his time, if you know the story. And we're, even we as the reader are going, why don't you just hurry up? They need you. And he gets there late. He's too late. Four days late, in fact, John says. You're too late, they tell him. But as the story goes, miracle of miracles, Jesus stands at the entrance to the tomb and calls Lazarus by name, and lo and behold, he walks out. And it creates such a commotion that it divides the people. Those who are following him and believe in him already believe more fully, and those who don't are more threatened by him than they were before, and word makes it to the church leaders who send out an all-points bulletin on Jesus' life. It's those, it's that event that seals his fate. So John tells us that he has to go into hiding. If he's going to make it through, he has to go into hiding. So to come back to Bethany, he has to come out of hiding. To come back to Bethany, in essence, Jesus risks his own life in order to be with his friends. That's the first gift in the story, and Jesus gives it. It's the kind of giving that can only occur on the other side of the door where you don't know what's going to happen next. The kind of giving that is given on faith alone. The obvious giving in the story is Mary's. That's the one we know. I mean, that's, we get that, we see that's what the story is about. The anointing of Jesus, that's what it's about. But even with her giving, there's so much more to it than what comes across on the page at first glance. They're sitting there at dinner, you know, carrying on, having a good time. Food tends to do that. It helps us kind of relax and we say things, you know, that we get comfortable. We talk about all kinds of stuff at the dinner. That's what's going on. And Mary sneaks off. She kind of slips away. They don't really notice right away. And this is not the first time Mary has done this. She is known for doing that, just kind of sneaking off and doing whatever it is Mary does. And Martha, her sister's just always frustrated with it. Just, it bugs her to no end, you know. And how rude. You never do that when you have guests in your house and sneaking off like that. It's just, you need to do what, and it just frustrates Martha all the time. The Gospels tell of another story when Jesus first comes to dinner with and, and sits with Mary and Martha and Martha's in the kitchen and she's doing all kinds of getting ready and getting everything right for the time together and she's doing what needs to be done and Mary sneaks off, does her little thing, she's gone. Martha gets all upset, comes looking for her, where is she? And there she is, seat, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the words that he's saying and it, she just, it just drives Martha crazy again and again. Mary just does that. And here again, they're at dinner, they're enjoying one another and Mary sneaks off. Where's Mary? Oh, no, she's off in her room looking for something. And Martha's about to lose it, just about to let her have it. And about that moment, in comes Mary with this expensive, really expensive 
jar of perfume, the kind of expensive that would take any one of us a whole year of wages to pay for that kind of expensive. She walks in with it and she kneels in front of Jesus and the next thing she does shocks everyone. Four things to be exact as Professor Barbara Brown Taylor points out. She does four shocking things. The first thing she does is she loosens her hair in a room full of men which for us may not mean much, but at that time, honorable women did not loosen their hair in a room. That was a no-no. You did not do that. That's the first thing she does. Then she does what we know in the story, and that is that she takes the perf- perfume, and but she doesn't use it sparingly. She doesn't, she doesn't It's valuable. You use it sparingly. This is stuff you save. No, no. No, she pours the entire thing, uses every single drop on his feet, which is also not done. On the head, maybe. They would do that for kings, but not the feet. Never the feet. The feet are the dirty place, the mess. You you don't do that. Pours it all out. And then she touches him. A single woman rubbing the feet of a single man. In that day, you did not do that. And finally, she just does something bizarre that's uniquely Mary. She wipes the oil off with her hair. The whole thing is lavish, over-the-top, irresponsible, wasteful, breaks every social norm and expectation, bothers the entire room, and is arguably offensive. Offensive giving. No one knows what to say. I mean, they're, they're, they're speechless. Even Jesus is silent for a moment, it seems. Judas is the one who speaks up first. And John is quick to remind us, of course, who Judas is and what he's about. And his intentions are not good ones. And he can't be trusted. He makes sure to remind us because he doesn't like Judas. <laughs> and, but Judas's question is the one that everyone has on their mind. It's the one, it's the elephant in the room. It's the one thing you can talk about. Everything else is so intimate. It's, you don't want to go there, but at least we could talk about the perfume and what this, and he asks the question that everyone's thinking. You ever have that happen in a room and someone finally says it and you're like, oh, thank goodness we can talk about it. And Judas does. He looks at it and he says to her, he says, why did you do that? Why didn't you, that's a waste. Why didn't you at least sell it and give the money to the poor? I mean, this is valuable stuff. Why didn't you do that? What a waste. Extravagant giving. It's the, he asks that question. Why, why do? Why waste it? That's the kind of question we always ask when we're living on this side of the door. 
where we are quick to judge one another and critique each other and question, divide ourselves into red and blue, black and white, rich and poor, right and wrong. Judas lives on this side of the door. And so often, so do we. But Mary doesn't. Mary's on the other side. Mary gives without any thought as to what's going to happen next because of her giving. She gives everything. She can think of nothing else other than how to place everything in her life at the feet of Jesus. How to do that. That's who she is. She gives her heart, her soul, her time, her treasure. Everything. Gives everything. That's her story. What's your story? Do you know it? Fifteen years ago, this church moved from Campbell Road on the other side of Highway 75 out to this location. Fifteen years ago. Those of you who were part of that move and made that effort, talk about it as if it happened yesterday. Because for you, it feels like it happened yesterday. That's why it feels like it just happened a moment ago, but it didn't. It's been a while now. Let go of some of that worry. Take a step through the door. Those of you who've joined this church since all the stuff happened out here, those of you who may be visiting today, it's great that we moved out here. It's fine. It's wonderful. What a great thing. But other than that, who cares? I don't care. <laughs> care about what are we doing now? What's going to happen next? What do we? What can we? What can this be? What can we get all worried about that too? You need to let some of that worry go. Stop pretending that we have control. All of that tells me that this church is still living on this side of the door. Canyon Creek is living on this side of the door. And yet, Jesus faithfully keeps inviting us to take the next step. To peer into the unknown as to what's possible.
to give everything we've got for what might happen next that we don't even know. That's the story of Canyon Creek. What's your story? I really wonder what is on the other side of this door. Only one way to find out. Amen. As the choir makes their way up to the front. And as we begin this time together, they're going to lead us in prayer through the gift of song. As they sing, I've asked that you close your eyes and let the words of their song fall upon you. Fill your hearts with faith, hope, and love. Let us pray. Lord of life, we live most of our lives on this side of the door. We worry about so much. We are quick to judge, hesitant, afraid to take a chance. And yet we hear the voice of our Savior, our Shepherd, calls to us like sheep, inviting us to take that next step, reminding us that sometimes we simply have to stop and remember you are God. Help us walk through the door, O oh God. Begin to transform how we live and how we give. Be our shepherd. <laughs> 